Hello, this is Bill Curley. And Holly Hudley. And welcome to the podcast In Between, which is an educational offering of St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life. We just kind of like decided mid-sentence, we should start the podcast instead of keeping on talking. So here we are. Yeah, for those of you who are not aware of that, this podcast originated in the fact that about three years ago or so, this is my memory, yours might be different, Holly said, you know, it would be really fascinating if we just recorded our conversations. Yes, and it sprung specifically up during COVID as a way yeah. to also create uh, kind of more connection between the two of us uh, during the week. It was a four, you know, and then also to draw the community that is ordinary life together during a very isolating time. Um, don't know how many followers and regular listeners we have, but um, in our minds, it's thousands. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> um, well, you know, I, 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 um, I, I'm in this place in ambivalence in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, as you know. Um, Sherry and I just moved in November to this um, high rise, and I, I'm, I really, really, really miss where we lived, our neighborhood, sure. uh, the ambiance, the history, the tradition, and all that. And I'm so very glad that we moved. So both of those things are existing side by side. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking last week, leading up to and during the time of last Sunday, um, I, I, my how much I miss our teaching together and the conversations that we had damn near every day <laughs> during COVID, which were a lifesaver for both of mm-hmm. us, I think. I think so. Yeah. And, and 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 I really, 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 really miss that. And I would not go back to that COVID time whatsoever. Yeah. I guess the, both invi- yeah, both those things are true at once. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting as we kind of like, I think uh, Joe Biden used in the clips that I heard of the State of the Union address was COVID has lost its grip on us. Um. But there are things that sprang up during that time that I would like to keep moving forward with. One Mm -hmm. of them is, uh, well, one of them is this. We get to keep doing this in some Mm -hmm. form or fashion. Another Mm -hmm. is the level of intimacy that sprung up with my family, my boys and my husband, and the level of togetherness, although very frustrating at times, my kids threw pencils, not at me, but in my general direction, uh, tore papers up, got frustrated with homeschool. Uh, at one point, I had to go chase my youngest down the block and apologize to him for overreacting to the frustration. But, um, you know, I don't miss that, but I do want to carry forth the intimacy that came from that forced isolation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, so some of that are, were really special times. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
-hmm. but no, I don't wish to go back to it just to carry forth some of the positives that came from it. So did you watch that State of the Union message tonight? I didn't. Um, I forgot what I was doing instead. Oh, I know. I was trying to write and my eyes were so heavy that I literally fell asleep at the dining room table. (laughs) And then I didn't turn it on. Um, So I, I was pretty tired last night because, you know, I have the equivalent of an infant in my vicinity. Now I have a eight week old puppy that gets up at night and wants to go out. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah. 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 They, um, somebody told me when I got jet that he could sleep during the night an hour for every month he was old. Yeah. It's so, about, about, it's about like that. Yeah. So I would have to get up in the middle of the night and let him out. And, um, I know he came up and let him out. I miss my dog. I, I know really you do. I, I know do. you do. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I let's talk a little bit about last night's State of the Union. Yeah. Uh, um, one of the deals that I made with Sherry on this move was that if we made the move that she would like to go out more to dinner than we have been in the habit of going recently, which is fine with me. We mm-hmm. tried a wonderful new, is new to us, Israeli restaurant Ooh. in the village. Um, uh, it, and I, I really... Um, Hesma is the name of it. Hmm. Hesma is the Israeli name meaning hand. Yeah. 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 And 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 um the service was excellent. The food was outstanding. The hummus is some of the best I've ever had. That. And they had lamb on the menu and you know, like that. Anyway, it was wonderful uh to be able to do that. I one of the things I love about living in the city of Houston is our diversity. Gives us these incredibly wonderful restaurants yeah and when you're eating in a restaurant and the the the, the, not only are the patrons a diverse population Mm -hmm. but the wait staff is too and of course you Mm -hmm. know i'm the kind that is a smart aleck and engaging to all these people and the manager came and sat at our table with us for a while and had a great conversation so that was that was fun that was Mm -hmm. that was really that was really interesting then we went home and um just sort of mindlessly, I turned on the TV to see what, and everything was covering the say the meaning. Yeah, and I watched it for um, the first probably 12, 14 minutes, mm-hmm. and then when it got violent and rude, I quit. Yeah, I just can't, I can't do that. I yeah. Just, the lack of civility in our culture, even at the highest levels, is just it's just unspeakable. Yeah. I I, yeah. I heard the clips this morning. I was listening to the rundown um in the car. And I definitely, you know, I just was appalled a little at the and you know what I like about Joe Biden is that he's a person who seems to just kind of doesn't really mince words. <laughs> he kind of okay. called it out in the moment, but at the same time, that's participating in it. And, um, and uh, you know, the state, I heard someone say, um, can it really be called the state of the union address right now? We are so divided. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's true. And, and, you know, he did make a distinction between sort of the general Republican party and the MAGA 
uh, leaning Republican party and really almost like tried to isolate them as a separate group in an, mm-hmm. in an attempt to unify the, mm-hmm. the, the Republicans and Democrats otherwise, but it, it's just, we are in an interesting time to say the very least. And um, I, I, I don't know. I'm curious about the way forward, whether that leads to more dissolution or more resolution. Mm-hmm. Probably both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You- well, I'm I'm not a, a pundit, but I, I can tell you that two two presidents come to mind as being really great speakers are uh, Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. Mm. And um, they're orators uh, of, of the highest sort. And Joe Biden is definitely not that. He's just, <laughs> he, he is 180 degrees away from that. He's like a good old boy street fighter politician. And, uh, and I think there's merit to both of those. Yeah. But from what I have been able to tell, he used that skill set to his advantage. In mm-hmm. the state of the union. Yeah. He's scrappy enough that he can, you know, he can kind of go with it. But um. So uh, one of the people that you and I used when we were going through the Gospel of John was a man named John Sanford. John yeah. Sanford. Uh, I wish I had known him. Uh, mm-hmm. He He's written so many wonderful things. He wrote so many wonderful things. Uh, about dreams, uh, about various things. That the little book that I have been rereading for probably the third time now. It's amazing because it's like, wow, I don't remember ever reading this before. Huh. The little book that he has written called "The Kingdom Within," which is about the inner meaning of the sayings of Jesus. Yeah. And um, the chapter that I read this morning is about the soul. Mm. And I want to know from you as an evolutionary cosmologist, mm. what is the position in your discipline <clears throat> on the soul? That's such a good question. I actually was just trying to write through this the other day. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> so nice serendipity. Um. At, at the basic form, I think that soul is the sort of um, connective energy that gives life on this planet, in this cosmos, in this universe. Um, I don't think soul is separate from body. I don't have a concept like Descartes that, you know, with his floating man experiment, that if you reduce the body to nothing other than a floating object that we still have a mind, therefore a soul. Um, I don't have this concept that my soul lives outside of me in my death. I have a concept that almost like dust motes in the sunlight that just sort of scatter. That's Mm -hmm. what I picture. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But I read this beautiful sort of comparison between soul and spirit. I'm going to try to find it real quick because coincidentally, the book is right in front of me. But, you know, sh- this woman, um, Shelly Talkluck, she wrote a book called Living in the Tension. And she writes about the difference between soul and spirit being that soul is like this earthy embodied form of 
our values, beliefs, and desire for betterness. Whereas spirit is often conceived of this kind of out there, outer layer. So she took soul and said, no, it's, it's physical. It's an embodied way of being in the world. It's this sort of gathering place for these ethereal esoteric beliefs in our actual body. So it sort of propels us forward to be what we are in the world, to be, be what we believe, you know? Um, and I, I really liked that definition of soul, that it's physical. Mm-hmm. I really related to that. Well, yeah. you know, the, I, I would like, if it's okay with you, now we are free to change our minds at any time. But when we co-teach again in the first Sunday in, in March, I'd like, I'd like this to be our topic. Sure. Yeah. And and uh, I would like to invite you, since I know you have the book, to read the chapter, just this chapter in uh, The Kingdom Within. It's the one between um, um, it's the one it's the one right before the chapter called The Lost Coin, I think. Okay. I'll find very, it. Near the, very, very near the end of the book. And there's a long passage in there, you know, a man that I have mentioned a number of times on these podcasts that I don't think he read, David Brenner, has written. I was just oh. opening a book that I'm reading. You did recommend him. I did buy a book, and it's the Human Being and Becoming one. And yeah. I was literally just trying to open to a page in which I was going to try to read a quote if I can find it. So go ahead. Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, do. I love uh, this. Uh, We're having a little fun today. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he wrote a book called Soulful Spirituality. Mm-hmm. And uh, so both both John Sanford and David Berner are talking about the importance of the soul. as a, And they speak of it as an entity. I mean, not like, I mean, it, they, they they use the Hebrew word nefesh in the spirit, the Greek word psyche to refer to the, the reality. Let me say that, the reality. Um, and that's one of the things I want to talk about myself on Sunday is what's real. Mm. And uh, uh, so I, I, I'm just... Their critique of what has gone on, and I don't think it's unrelated to what the, we were talking about about the State of the Union, mm-hmm. is that we have become so cut off from the soulful aspects of what it means to be human that we can easily be, um, we can marginalize and be dismissive of other human beings. Yeah, absolutely. We other them in a way that is not transcendent. Um, I I just found the quote I was looking for in the Brenner book, and it's just in the introduction, but um, he writes about the spiritual quest kind of being um, about not disconnecting from the body, but to actualize our humanity, to be more deeply human, not to be more than Mm -hmm. human. And when Mm -hmm. I think about what it means to be human, it is a very embodied presence. We've spent so much time trying to think about, especially in religious constructs, what is the afterlife? What, what, how do I do good enough to get rewarded beyond this idea of forever? I do not want to live forever. I have no designs on that. 
but I do want to learn how to be more deeply human, how to be oh. a better person in this body on this earth, you know? And, and, and that is precisely what John Sanford chef is that I read yeah. today is that if you don't connect with the soul, you can't be present as a human on the planet. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. For one thing, for one thing, without going deep within, and he says this is one of the benef- this is one of the beauties of depth psychology. Without going deep within, you neglect the earth. Absolutely, and you neglect the other. The other, I mean, but he said depth psychology would ground us to our humus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to our humanity which is where that word comes from it is a great chapter and i found i found myself really resonating with it and thinking okay i'd like to be able to talk about soul without people thinking that it's some little part of you that flits off into the afterlife when you die yeah i just made a note to myself to make sure to read that chapter um And so I'll read what Shelley Talkluck says. She says, soul would have us incarnate fully and would help us grow deep roots that allow the spirit of our life to branch out. The soul needs to heal the divisions and make things whole again. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I do too. And it also goes on to say, and this is the principle of the cosmic. This You asked about, well, how does a cosmologist make sense of soul? And I I really took seriously what Brian Swim said. It's like he tries not to use language that hasn't been sort of proven. Right. So he very much of even though he himself is, I think, a deeply spiritual person and raised in a religious context, he doesn't use the word God. That's not in his teaching. Right. Mm -hmm. But she goes on to write that the soul thrives on diversity and multiplicity. The soul thrives on diversity, which is a cosmic foundation for evolution, right? right? The theory of unity and diversity. So the soul is that little piece of the cosmos that is expressing itself in us to achieve unity and diversity. Right. In the most human way we can. Right. And the way that I learned about this when I started in in depth psychology was that if you don't have what you're calling diversity, but what my teachers call variety at the time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, is that you're not complete. Absolutely. If we Mm -hmm. think we are the only answer, Mm -hmm. we can't can't become whole. You know, uh, somebody that we don't talk about, but I would like just to introduce into the conversation, a man that I really have growing respect for in this arena that we're talking about is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so cool. My oldest son, that's like his hero. And, and he uh, sees something of himself in him. He's a black man who loves the cosmos, who talks about it, who energizes it, who gives it this life and this dimensionality that we otherwise might not experience if he couldn't put words to it. Right. So yeah. I love that he has a hero that he can look to in real time. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder, I, I wonder what um, an Enneagram expert, Hallie, might type uh, DeGryson because he's so expansive and he's uh, so full of joy and fun and all mm-hmm. of that and mm-hmm. hope and possibility. Mm-hmm. It's just, he's all over. By the way, 
I will let you know and the thousands of people who are listening to us. We do have thousands, right? No, totally. Millions, probably. Probably millions. <laughs> that um, I began a conversation yesterday with Susan Stabile. Mm-hmm. She's going to come to Houston. Oh, great. We're going to get her to come. Uh, probably not this year. We don't have a date. Um, but you know, this year's speeding by mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I, I can't, I don't know, maybe in the fall, but probably next spring, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. I'll be in conversation with her about, about that. Um, and I'd like to ask her that question, mm-hmm. you know, how, mm-hmm. how would you type Neil deGrasse Tyson? Have mm-hmm. you ever seen or met Suzanne Sibyl? I have not um, that I'm conscious of. I may have in the she's an Enneagram expert. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She lives in she <laughs> she lives in Dallas, but she's no worldwide. So a mutual friend of ours, Michelle Russell, I think has been trained by her. I think. Okay. I think that might that, be why she's in my conscious brain, but I, I'm not makes, positive. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be really exciting. And, you know, there's such a, there's such depth to the Enneagram. And as, <laughs> as you called me out on last year, how we can sink into the despairing parts of our personality and mm-hmm. sometimes, and this is where the, the transcendent other really matters to our becoming is they can say, ah, 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 ah. that's not who you are. You're not operating in the light. Right. And, right. and right. That, that, you know, in my opinion, the best sort of therapist, and I've said this to you, um, hand you back to yourself, you know, hand you back to yourself and say, let me show you who you really are. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's mm-hmm. such a, that's a magic trick right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So soul is something that is occupying my energy mm-hmm. right now because mm-hmm. I think that <clears throat> when we're cut off from it, we do horrible things to ourselves and to each other and to yeah. the planet. Do you have a sort of definition or image of the way that you relate to the concept of soul? Uh, yes, I do. And it comes... Um, now you ha- you have to understand that for some <clears throat> number of years now, my spiritual teacher has been a Roman Catholic nun. Mm-hmm. So uh, her, and she's also an Enneagram expert, a union um, analyst, but her, her uh, imagery all comes from that tradition that she's been steeped in for so long. Mm-hmm. And um, she tapped in very early when we first met one of the first three or four sessions we had to how icons speak to me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have the icon as I was going to talk about last Sunday, but didn't the icon of the three strangers, mm-hmm. which has been reinterpreted by Christian tradition as the Trinity. I have the icon of the Pentecostal, the mm-hmm. teacher, that is mm-hmm. one. And the icon that she suggested that I keep in front of me is the icon of the Madonna with Chaw. Wow. And she said, your task as a soul is to achieve intimacy with the sacred, which is soul work, mm-hmm. 
Mm. And it is a feminine uh, energy. And I suggest that if you keep that icon in front of you and that you are the child being held by the sacred feminine, that that would help influence your experiential side of soul work. Mm. So I have an icon that I look at every day as part of that. So, yeah, that's my answer to that. Mm. Psyche, psyche and nephesh are feminine energies. I mean, um, and it's the way they show up in our dreams. And so, yeah, I think we and we diminish ourselves when we cut ourselves off from that kind of yeah. energy. I think we've, for the most part, as a culture, cut ourselves entirely off of that energy. And it's just... Um, it's it's that what is the phrase you use it's like learning to walk on one leg right um, yeah yeah i was um yeah i think that the i i <laughs> i led an exercise the other day in which we sort of built constellations for ourselves who is in our orbit who do we need more of in our orbit who who needs to not be in our orbit it was kind of we made collages um, as a way to illustrate this idea. And I found a sort of serendipitous. I found this image from, I have this old Giotto book. Giotto is my favorite pre-Renaissance artist. I just, I love his work because he painted expressions on faces with such tenderness and you know the pre-renaissance is before the era of perfection before we understood one point perspective before we understood how to draw things exactly so mm -hmm. his his people that he painted had this kind of simplicity but rawness to them and i found this this image of of a hold on i'm going to just show it to you and i'll try to describe it online do you see that where the the male and the female face Mm -hmm. sort of become one, but they're gazing into each other's eyes. I found that because that reflected a, a wish of mine to be unified in my sacred feminine and sacred masculine. I feel I am married to the sacred masculine, like that man. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I cannot think of a better man in the world. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, but that aspiration is not only for each of us to be able to reflect that in our lives. Um, he, sacred masculine, me, sacred feminine, don't think I'm there yet, but also to unify it in ourself. Mm -hmm. To become whole, right? And mm -hmm. I, it was just kind of a beautiful moment that that image in flipping through my pile of uh, images found me. And the reason I have a Giotto book that I'm willing to cut out of is because my dog, my dear beloved deceased dog, ate it about 10 or so years ago, <laughs> leaving me with some tattered pages, but um, the image is more or less intact. So I have turned it into a collage book, but. Will you replace it so you have a complete one? I have. I It's up on my shelf up here. I have replaced it because I love that book. Um, so I kind of was okay with cutting it apart um, since it had already been destroyed. <laughs> my dog, um, he, he went to Harvard, actually. He ate all of the spines of my books that I spent lots and lots of money on um, buying in grad school. Yeah, there, there's something in the glue. 
yeah. of those things that both dogs and cats. Oh love. yeah. Oh yeah. my dog. Oh, he was a wreck. <laughs> I, I was I was I was seeing a man for spiritual direction right after the red book came out. Mm. And I don't know what the red book costs now, but when Jung's red book came out, I think it was several hundred dollars. Right? Yes, I, I will confess to buying it. It's and, right there. And, Do you see it? Yeah, where I'm pointing? No. No. You don't see it where my finger is pointing right now? Well, because there's okay. something in my screen that's in the way. Okay. So anyway, his wife gave him a copy of the red book for Christmas. Uh-huh. His dog ate it. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's painful. Yeah. I mean, his dog ate most of the whole thing. Yeah. Ooh. He 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 had a Vishalu, which are beautiful animals. Oh, beautiful dogs. But yeah, chewers. And they <laughs> chewed it up. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's painful. But you know, anyway. I I would turn it into collage material. So tell him that if he still has the pages. Pass it on. Well, before we sign off, I wanted to um, have a sort of celebratory thing that happened last night that maybe, maybe got overshadowed by the State of the Union address, but I think also had its own moment of glory. Um, LeBron James became the all-time leading scorer in the NBA at age 38 years old. And the coolness of this is that he went into last night's game needing 38 points to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who retired in the 90s, I think, um, as the all-time leading scorer. He scored at 38 years old, 38 points last night to become the all-time leading scorer. And it was magical. (laughs) I love moments like that when did you did you watch it i watched again i told you where my eyes were getting heavy i watched the replays of that too but it was so tremendous because on that last point that 38th point in the game which wasn't even the end of the game by the way um everything stopped and he just went and the crowd roared and he's sweeping in the middle of the court and the first person up out of his chair, I don't know about the first, but it seemed like was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who handed him the basketball to keep after the game. That cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I love sports moments because they are yeah. so very human. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. And also superhuman at the same time, you mm-hmm. know? So anyway, that was a cool Cool that's wonder. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love Kareem. He's. I've seen him interviewed, and he's yeah. really a cool human being. Uh, yeah. Really heck yeah. Good. Yeah. You know, it, it, this is drifting far afield, but maybe it isn't. Um, I can go down YouTube rabbit holes really easily about some things. <laughs> I didn't know um, that. <laughs> are you serious? I didn't know you that didn't about know. you. Yeah. 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 I got. You want to know what they are about? What are they about? Well, magic. Uh-huh. Okay. I can see magic that. And magic magic tricks, magic performances in that. In cockpit views of um big heavy planes landing, huh. which you can get. I watched a seven trip a triple seven land last night in uh Kennedy in mm-hmm. New York. 
Hmm. You can't see American carriers because that's against FAA rules, but you can see other carriers. And then you can watch if you if you Google it out and search on YouTube carefully, you can see the own field convers. You can hear the own field conversations between football players during the game. Uh huh. I've seen some of those. They're funny <laughs> and crass. And these- These guys will crash into each other like Sherman tanks and then pull each other up and say, hey, you want to go get a bite? (laughs) It's it's amazing. And you know, in the Super Bowl, two brothers are going to be playing opposite each other. And two black quarterbacks. That's a first, too. Uh, And uh, can you say who you're for? I love Patrick Mahomes. Me too. <laughs> He's adorable. I'm a, so I just am going he, on looks alone. <laughs> yeah, he 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 is. Uh, and it's again another thing you can do is you can go on YouTube and type in Patrick Mahomes highlights, uh-huh. and you can see these uh, series of just miraculous pass plays that he has made to save games at the end of a football game. Yeah. So anyway, totally. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It'll be. I mean, I won't care really about the outcome, but uh, you know, a good game is a good game. So hopefully, it's a good game. <laughs> yeah. 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 They will play with soul. Yes, and their bodies in a fully mm-hmm. embodied, soulful way. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, the football is taking a lot of negative heat, but. Uh, these these young men who play this vicious sport are our modern day gladiators. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's, I, I, I having just told the story of Le, of LeBron James. I I love sport. I love athletes. I'm amazed by what the human body can do. Um, and you know, it's terrifying what the human body can do. The young man who had a heart attack on field after such a hard hit. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are so fragile and so strong. Mm. Yep. At the same time, we are that. Mm-hmm. Well, read that chapter and let's plot a course. Talk okay. about soul. Sounds great. Let's do it. All right. Take care. Have a soulful Wednesday. All right. Bye. Bye.